For months, Keep Beach City Weird has been silent. Silent, but not dead. For I have been toiling away on a super top secret project that will blow the lid off of your perception jar of reality. Tomorrow at 6 p.m., I unleash my masterpiece upon the internet. If I can finish editing it tonight, I'm gonna need a lot of soda. everybody it's darian ivy time hello live from planets florida and canberra Woohoo! <laughs> not so giant women time we have our own time zone right yeah <laughs> so we're here with the rising tides crashing skies which daria identified last time as a downright apocalyptic title oh yes <laughs> i assure you the people listening to us are having some kind of reaction right now but let's go have our own reaction <laughs> Shall we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be a proper left turn if suddenly they said, let's just blow up Beach City <laughs> with 100 episodes left to go. <laughs> you never know with this show, right? True. Well, let's find out what rises and crashes. Indeed. We are the crystal gems. We'll always save the day. I think we're the only ones. See? Click. If I could begin to be half of what. Well, that's definitely a change of pace for some of the stranger or heaviest stuff we've seen. Indeed. Especially with a troll title like that. Yeah. We got Ronaldo. Yes. And the title is a case of his usual dramaticness. Indeed. So, what we just watched, gentle listener, was. Essentially, most of it was a web documentary by Ronaldo, and as Garnet points out, a not well edited one, and she's right on that. The documentary starts out after the usual bit of Ronaldo palaver about what a great investigator of large secrets he is, to flash back to when the handship arrived at the end of last season. And Ronaldo makes the connection that things only attack Beat City because the crystal gems are here. Doesn't help that Stephen says exactly that. And he interviewed various befuddled town folk, including Mayor Dewey, who hears the word cover and makes it cover up and gets security to bundle him out of his office. His own dad, who just asks him when he's going to be finished and getting back to work. Onion, who just smacks the microphone and runs away. The Peter family provides some actual information for Ronaldo to reach the conclusion that all this trouble is caused by the Crystal Gems themselves. And when he goes to confront them, foot in the door, journalism style, even though his foot isn't actually in the door because there's no door because they're on the beach, he says the Crystal Gems should leave and keep Beach City safe, to which Garnet apparently acquiesces and she and the team just wander off. When a smug Ronaldo realizes he saved Beach City to, in what's supposed to be the capital to his video, PD reminds him that all these events were keeping Beach City weird and thus the subject of Ronaldo's blog. And if they leave and all the events stop, Beach City will be normal and there will be no weirding to keep and no blogging to be had. <laughs> Ronaldo realizes this and runs crying to the Crystal Gems, quite literally, the begging, begging for them to stay. And we can get a freeze frame. 
how they responded will shock you, though any of us who have been watching Garnet pretty much predicted her response, which was simply to say, okay, and close the door on him again. <laughs> he regards this as a feat of interspecies negotiation and that he has successfully kept Beach City weird and kind of rests on his laurels. And we see some quite cheap credits. And it turns out that it's been our heroes watching his uploaded documentary all this time. And Garnet assures them there was never a plan to leave Beach City. She just wanted Bernardo to go away. <laughs> a quick judge at the view count shows that it's been them and only them. But Stephen nonetheless clicks like and we star out on that. He's a sweet boy. Yeah. So, yeah, this week we kind of squint at the usual Stephen must be in every scene rule to yes. to say, oh, he's watching it all this time, so it's okay if he's not in the scene. So we're kind of loopholing it a bit. Yeah, uh, kind of a neat way to get around it and actually see what some of the townspeople say outside of his presence. Yeah, and we get a lot of delightfully cheap effects from Ronaldo in his video, like reenacting. Yeah. The handship landing, which he does with his own hand, just stabbed into some stuff on the beach, which points a tiny Jeb crab monster nips his finger. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of little fun to be had as you go along whenever the captions for someone appearing on screen. Onions just gets a row of question marks. Mayor Dewey yeah. is credited as Mayor Dewey, right above his nameplate of Mayor Dewey. Yes. That was great. Mr. Fryman is simply credited as Dad, executive producer of the documentary. And the Crystal Gems as a collective are simply captioned as things would be a whole lot better if they weren't here, right as Ronaldo is saying things would be a whole lot better if they weren't here. But yeah, we get a bit of a breather. And for those who have been wondering how Ronaldo and his connected theory of everything were coping with the fact that being actual significant events now you know we know Ronaldo has a bit of a mixed reception around here but this was fun and he got some pretty legit footage of that space hand yeah so there is in fact Mayor Dewey can relax because there is actually no cover-up and in fact that's been one of the things we've mentioned it before but that unlike 90% of other series of this nature our heroes are not trying at all to suppress or even keep quiet knowledge of all the weird things they attract and do. So yeah. none of them are bothered that the documentary's out there. Garnet's bothered that she has to be filmed for it, but that's more because Ronaldo is very annoying to her, which, you know, yeah. I'm sure if you'd met Ronaldo, you'd probably agree. Yeah. Yeah, when they see the whole thing's online, whereas some other shows, this would be a whole plot of, we have to get this video down, they just say that was poorly edited and click like <laughs> yeah oh but garnet you know video editing's hard yeah. <laughs> it was a little sloppy with you know things getting cut off mid-sentence or you know lingering too long yeah or the sound the hilarious thing where he's trying to speak in front of their temple and you can't even hear him yeah, because he's got a camera and hasn't got any sound equipment and has apparently yeah. not quite mastered the act of looping Right. It's pretty funny. Oh, I think a couple of my other favorite edits, you know, post edits that he did for people's titles and stuff was when he called Stephen Gracious Host, I think it was. <laughs> and the one he had Pizza Twins. I missed the first one, but yeah, what was, what was this, the second like exuberant teenager or something like that? Right. It was like that. He called Kiki Pizza Heiress <laughs> and he called Jenny Intimidating Teenage Girl. That's right. 
I do love that onion was just a bunch of question marks. That, that's literally what I would have put. I mean, did he really think he was going to get onion to speak? Or is that if he did, that it'd be remotely usable? <laughs> Even if it yeah. wasn't in Charlie Brown teacher talk. Yeah. What would he have said that would have made any sense whatsoever? Yeah, you really take your life and your reputation in your hands if you try to interview Onion. Yeah, he's probably lucky he only smacked the mic out of his hand and didn't just steal all the equipment and burn it. Yeah, that's true. Fire a harpoon gun at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, a lot of people obviously, because they don't like Ronaldo, are not fans of this episode. I thought it was pretty clever for a Ronaldo episode, especially that even though, you know, he's annoying, so it's annoying. It's kind of nice to see the context of how these larger events are affecting people in the town without it focusing on the crystal gems specifically or filtered through Steven. So, you know, and you have Ronaldo is, this is exactly the kind of thing that he would be interested in. He would be saying, you know, this close encounter happened and he's going to report on it. He's going to, somebody should. It's too bad nobody else is. Right. And Renato surfs that line in that he is very annoying, but he's supposed to be very annoying. Right. And that is always a difficult thing to do with a character because go too far and people just go, oh, it's Renato, click. Yeah. And And people feel like that about him. Yeah, I realize that I have this thing whenever we're coming up to one and I realize, oh, it's a Renato episode, my first reaction is, oh, this guy. But I always enjoy them. Yeah. Well, I think also there's the meta aspect of it with such an apocalyptic title, as you noted. People were kind of expecting something, especially since it was part of a Steven bomb. They were like, some kind of crazy stuff is going to happen. And then it just turns out to be Ronaldo is being dramatic. So the disappointment of that combined with the fact that it's also, we got a Ronaldo episode, made a lot of people kind of whiny about it, I guess. I'm not going to tell them what they ought to like, but I also, I get a little annoyed when people get really dramatic about not liking episodes. And I'm sure it's all exacerbated by the fact that we have all these hiatuses in between things. But, you know. Yeah, I've like it's good. <laughs> Yeah, I've often thought thought that having heard about how weird the hiatuses could get. Yeah. And there's been some episodes where I've gone, oh that was okay, but I'm thinking like, what if I just waited six months for a new episode of my favorite show and it was this and then there'd be another six months or something. Yeah. And there there is a little bit of that just in general with this show, but there's one that was specific that I guess we'll talk about when it comes where it was, I think, the longest hiatus we had and then the episodes were not well received when they did come back. Mm. And I don't know, I disagree a lot with the, the common interpretations of what are the worst episodes. Like, I mean, I don't even mind the Uncle Grandpa one. I think it's funny. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Well, once I work, yeah. And in fact, I agree with, once I worked out that it was quote unquote safe to listen to Stephen University when we were sometime past the episode in question, I'd listen. I'd listen to their 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 episodes, Uncle the Uncle Grandpa one, and, right? And one of the hosts says, "I don't hate it. It's just not worth getting that emotional about it. If I didn't like it, then I didn't like it, and if I did, I did. It's ah. not worth dedicating that much anger to." And I think I felt similar about it. That for all its troubles, yeah. it was what it was. Right. And the people who made it are having fun. So it's part of one of the fun things you can do if you have a show. Yeah. But I'm also, just to, just to fill people in, we, by the time we started doing this show, the entire series was all but done. And I think we just had the back half of the very last season hadn't been done yet, which in theory meant that 
if I had this, if the podcast had ended or I decided to be completely naughty or something, in theory, I could just pick up the DVDs or go to the streaming or whatever and watch all the episodes in a row. And it's not to say that I would, but it means that the sense, if I see an episode, which is one of the, oh, we waited for this one. I'm coming from a point of view in which I know all the other episodes exist. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you'd waited months for something and it was one of the one you didn't like as much, not only you waited months for it, but you also, that's the most recent thing you have. That's all you've had to date. The other, however many seasons, depending on when you're talking about, don't exist yet. So even though yes. I wouldn't just break format and be in the remaining three and a bit seasons from here that I know they exist, that I know the series is complete, does color my perspective on the idea of waiting for episodes and how they're Mm. received when we come to them. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like some of the anxiety surrounding watching this stuff is we didn't know, like, what if it gets canceled? What if we never get our answers? You know, it's one of those things. I almost feel reassured that I could look for spoilers, even though I won't, in a way that if I could look for spoilers because they don't exist, mm-hmm. even though that results in exactly the same behavior, which is nothing. Right. To be honest, I don't know how much, what would you call this? Like, I don't know how much patience I would be able to have with not being able to binge it if I knew it was out there, because historically I struggled with that a lot. Well, there's one coming up that I'll tell you about when we get there that, you know, it was supposed to come on that day and it leaked earlier in the day and I still watched it, you know, like, but there were a couple of times where I wanted to watch it with my friend and we had by then established this thing that we would watch it together. And it had come out like the night before on the Cartoon Network app or something. And I still didn't watch it and went through the whole work day trying not to be, you know, jumping out of my skin. And obviously, I also can't go on social media whatsoever. So I have that you know. now with Star Trek Discovery because I have a friend I watch it with, but occasionally used to say, Oh, I'm busy this weekend. We'll just have to watch two episodes next weekend. It's like, What? That's a whole week and I need to know the things. Yes. Yeah. And there's some aspect of it that like, because I was tied into the fandom by this point, I wanted to be part of all of those exciting flurries of initial discussions. So I want to see it right when everyone else is seeing it. So it was very important to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose it's an, another thing, pretty much any discussion about an episode we're talking about, well, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have stopped, but the, oh my goodness, that was fresh. What the hell does this all mean? Is no longer the case. Mm. I, have to, yeah. I think this also can function as a bit of a reminder slash introduction to the generals of the series. Well, mostly, mostly in season one terms because it is very much about weird things happen and the gems stop them. Whereas mm-hmm. season two's got a bit more involved into plots and subplots. Yeah, I think there was an interesting piece of context to that effect when Pearl said to Ronaldo, "Yes, magic beings are drawn to us, but." We've been here since before Beach City was started or whatever. And I don't think I've quite heard it put like that. Like, why are the gem, why are these gem creatures always attacking them there? Oh, they're drawn to them. That's interesting. Actually, yeah, I don't think we've had that explicitly said. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some ways in which you can assume it. And there's been a couple of cases where it's not been so much as a drawn as their adversary for the week is going after a specific thing we know. But no general sense. 
you know, no general sense that corrupted gems or gem monsters or whoever else should be drawn to them, like Beach City is on a gem hellmouth. Right. It seems like at least that kind of explains why right there outside Stephen's house, there would be that worm monster and there would be that blowfish monster. And like, they're just coming right there. Like, what are they doing right there? But there were were a lot of them where they went to other parts of the world to fight them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Hmm. So it seems they congregate a bit, but Mm -hmm. sometimes, sometimes they have to stretch out. They always Mm -hmm. seem close to some kind of gem facility at the very least a warp pad though mm-hmm. we hardly ever see them go well we, we can take a warp pad to here but then we'll have to work out a way to travel four thousand kilometers to this valley where the gem spidersaurus or whatever is <laughs> yeah just have amethyst turn into a giant like pterodactyl and carry him there oh that'd be cool stop using warp pad we want pterodactyl amethyst <laughs> well you know do the warp pad first and then the rest of it's no big deal. I don't know. She's lazy though. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's more effective than Greg's van anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I think this makes it safe. Well, they say that gem stuff is attracted to them and you could probably take the lesser assumption that corrupted gems are attracted to gem stuff if they're not near any actual mm-hmm. gems. That's why they tend to hang around gem facilities when they've got a whole planet to wander around yeah i mean who knows how corrupted gem mines even work right not a lot of info about that yet yeah maybe on some reduced primal level it's a desperation to reconnect with their home right not really sure what kind of awareness they have of each other and most of the well all of the interactions except for a couple of very borderline cases are pretty much just animals and not particularly smart animals at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a lot of strategizing going on with these critters. They're pretty much gem creek to smash. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which is, you know, shown very much to be different from if they get cracked or, you know, that is also a problem, but it's a different problem. So yeah, that, that was a really interesting line from Pearl saying that and then also saying that they've been there since before Beach City was there, which we knew because she said that the temple has been there for thousands of years. Yeah. But, you know, it's, you know, how can you, how can you march onto the beach and say, get out of my, get out of my city if this is like contested land here? I mean, they probably let, let you move in. <laughs> like we were here first. Yeah. I mean, this also raises questions about how the Native Americans may have reacted to a pre-settlement and colonization, but mm-hmm. it's also quite feasible they just went, oh, monsters keep attracting that bit. Let's not go there. Mm-hmm. Right. And raises raises the question of why whoever established Beach City thought this is a great place for people to live with all the disasters and the creatures and the lobstersauruses and whatever else. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I know you want to be on the coast, but I'm sure just jumping a couple hundred kilometers away would have kept everyone safer. Maybe just a little. Does not seem like there are gem temples all the way up and down the coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so granted, tiny bit victim blaming, but also a tiny bit, you quite literally did this yourself. Right. So, of course, the people that live there now, like they didn't decide to settle there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, try to keep them safe, but you don't have to, you don't have to live in a place that has gem related natural disasters all the time yeah we don't see too much of the crystal gems helping with other disasters but there doesn't seem to have been much of them so yeah 
yeah, I don't think there has been any like that. Yeah, I can't I mean, think like, of any. You'd like to think if there were was, was a tidal wave or an earthquake or something, they wouldn't just go, oh, not caused by jams, not our department. Right. You'd like, think, you'd like to think there were better people than that. Yeah, but then you see that they won't even fix a sign that they slammed into and get the whole pizza family mad at them. Yeah. Which that was that was referenced in this episode. Yeah, and I mean, in some ways, all the pizza family's contribution was like a little follow up to Beach Party. Yeah, that they made a reference to the the picnic they had with them, and Jenny made a reference to almost getting punched in the face by Garnet, which was Joyride. So they definitely, you know, whenever they interact with them, they have some pretty vivid memories of this. So they're not just going about their lives. Um, which, yeah, this has a lot of references to other episodes in general, like the just the very beginning when Ronaldo is introducing with his inventive titles. He has images from his blog, and one of them was the watermelons, like him getting his ass beat by the watermelon, which was funny. And what else was there? Was there something else? He just had some images from his blog. Oh, and the other one was the baby maybe picture. Mm, which is from Stephen's mm. tummy, which was a lion episode. Yeah. yeah. So they're making a lot of internal references. I wonder where he got that image, though, of the gems posing on the beach, like a little family photo looking thing. That was not from a previous episode or anything. So he's stealing their Instagram pictures, Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> that Stephen friend you on not Facebook and you borrowed his image in bad face? That's a good question. Like, I mean, it seems like Stephen probably reads his blog and has subscribed to his tube tube, as they call it is willing to like his videos and stuff. He's still supporting him on social media. So they probably follow each other. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is when it, even though the internet is worldwide, whenever we see these things, it doesn't really seem to concern people outside Beach City at all. It's almost like it's got its own internal social media network sometimes. <clears throat> uh, yeah. But I think they're just that kind of community. I don't think that's a mystery. I think also that if you were looking at the kind of content that Ronaldo makes, you'd conclude what most people would conclude about his stuff. Well, that's a part guess, part headcanon, that the reason that Beach City isn't crawling with people from Area 51 or X-Files or Unit or whatever investigating this is because the primary source of information about it is Ronaldo's blog and they just go, what the hell is this guy? He should be between the anti-vaxxers, flat earth and hollow world theories yeah <laughs> i guess he has one of those his, uh, of his own the, they're gonna hollow out the earth <laughs> although i guess he's not saying that it's already hollow so hmm. i thought it was funny that he embarrassed his brother at the beginning where he's just like so you cried a lot <laughs> he's like being such a big brother in that scene where he's just like oh, i'm gonna show this embarrassing footage and then i'm gonna come in and hug you and protect you <laughs> he's like leave me alone <laughs> oh. well, he sees himself as the guardian of his little brother just as he sees himself as the guardian of the whole of beach city yeah well he sacrificed the safety of the townsfolk for the weirdness of his blog so <laughs> yeah. well, so he perceives it anyway yeah Oh, there was one townspeople interaction that I forgot to talk about when we were talking about their, their titles that he called Sadie Horror Movie Enthusiast. Oh, yeah. That was a cute little interaction, too, because 
Well, I couldn't tell if she was blushing because of any kind of reaction to Ronaldo suddenly being there or if it was like she's shy because she's on camera. It's sort of like the continuation of that horror movie because they remind you of it in her title, the horror movie thing where it almost seemed like Lars and Ronaldo were competing over her or trying to impress her or something. So yeah. I don't know. I liked that little callback and probably because I'd, I'd like to be captioned as horror movie enthusiast one day too. Yeah, there you go. But that was cool to hear like her perspective too, is that she thought maybe Stephen's family, she called them like with that hesitation, Stephen's family like and perceived them as sort of like reclusive, but she knows weird stuff goes on because she's seen it. She's gotten trapped on an island because of a warp pad and an invisible gem thing that she stabbed with a stick. She knows. <laughs> and it appears that she's serving Mr. Smiley, who's just going to hang there while, yep. while his shopkeeper gets asked weird questions. Right. Like, Ronaldo's in line behind him, and he's filming, and it's like, yeah, I'm just going to stand here, whatever. I've did got we, too much other crap to worry about. Did we establish if Big Donut was part of the Smiley Entertainment Empire, or just that he used to work there? There, Yeah, there has been no indication that he like owns it or anything. And I feel like because Sadie has made a couple references to management and stuff, but hasn't mentioned Mr. Smiley, she it probably doesn't have anything to do with him. He was probably just hired for the gig, the musical oh, gig. Yeah. But, At the time, um, I thought he was, uh, I thought this was saying that before he was Master Rebels, he worked in a donut shop. I think there was actually a line that was specifically said he didn't work there. I think because Stephen said in Joking Victim, he was like, okay, oh, Mr. Smiley used to work there, work here. And Sadie said something like, no, but he used to be an actor slash R&B, whatever. Oh, okay. So I feel like that was kind of separate. But seemingly there was, and I know the comics aren't canon, but there was a thing where he became to take yet another job he he became like a health inspector and he inspected the donut shop and was criticizing their their store or whatever but and she and sadie was just worried that there was going to be a monster attack during their inspection (laughs) i think there was and then he's just like yeah but that's just beach city (laughs) (laughs) it's not your fault i don't remember the the series of events but i do remember him doing that in the comics what else yeah, I liked that she gave a kind of a perspective of what she, that they do have kind of opinions about who the Crystal Gems are. They all know who they are. They all have their kind of, we're not sure what their deal is kind of reaction to them. So that's kind of cool. In some ways, even though Ronaldo thinks he's thinking on a level above everyone else, it's almost like he's a step behind because they're all at the point of, yeah, we know these things happen. Yeah, we know who the Crystal Gems are and what they do. Yeah, it's just part of life in Beach City. And he he hasn't arrived at that point yet, or he's not going to because he's viewing everything through Ronaldo lens. Right. Like you're living next door to aliens, but you're worried about Sneeple. He didn't mention Sneeple in this one though, did he? No, I guess I guess he's sorting his conspiracy. <laughs> he's finally guess, decided that whatever Sneeple are doing, it doesn't have anything to do with them. Sneeples are not a subsidiary of the Great Diamond Authority. Probably not, as far as we know. <laughs> so what do you think of the of the battle that they had fighting this big crab? That was pretty impressive. Yeah, this show often gives good fights when it's just some action against the big monster stuff. And even though it was obviously through, literally through the lens of the documentary this time, they didn't disappoint mm-hmm. and reminded us that for all the various troublesome interactions we've seen them have, when these three or these four now got to work together, they do the business. Yeah. This is another one of those gem creatures that had little ones, had a little little crabs and then a big crab. 
That's cool. Yeah, and I kind of like this gem monster. I liked its. I liked it being borderline between a recognizable animal and a big weird monster. Right, with the single eye, but it looks like a giant crab. Yeah, and you know who, who doesn't love seeing people fight a monster with nice big pinches that can do things to them? Yeah. Did you see how Amethyst attacked it with her? It looked like it looked like she jumped into the scene and sliced its hand off with her hair. Yeah, I saw that. I thought I couldn't. Did she blade up her hair? Did she just hit it really, really hard? That uh, was weird. I don't think I've ever seen her do that. And I thought it doesn't seem bothered. Is it going to reattach it or grow it back? But uh, yeah. and we moved away shortly after that, and it was bubbled, com- confirming that it was in fact a corrupted gem of some kind. Yeah, we also got a nice pun from Pearl of all people when Garnet said, "Aim for the eye," and she goes, "Aye, aye, Garnet." <laughs> I'm oh, sure she's, she's totally meant to do that. Oh, she's she's going to be dining out on that for ages. Like next week, she's all. You'll think I don't have a sense of humor, not the fun one, but did you hear the thing I said about the... Yeah, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> aye, aye, Garnet. <laughs> she was using her lasers again. And <laughs> speaking of Jem saying things, like, quite literally, and I don't think I'm remotely alone in this, right through Renato's huge begging and suspenseful freeze frame, I was like, Garnet's just going to say okay and close the door. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly how I reacted to. I was just like, she's just going to say, okay. You won't believe, what did they say? The answer will shock you. <laughs> yeah. And then she just kind of stands there looking at him yeah. being a drama queen. For- yeah, that's my favorite part of the episode. From from the time that he tells them to go away to like the very end of the episode, that's my favorite part of it because... Well, number one, Garnet, because I like Garnet, but how she just very quickly agrees to Ronaldo's terms. Well, first, Pearl calls him Frybo, which I thought was really funny. She calls Ronaldo Frybo and argues with him. But then Garnet's just like, oh, well, we'll just leave then. And she puts Stephen on top of her head and walks away for no yeah. apparent reason. That <laughs> I like. was really funny. I think I wanted an animated, like a frame of that. So I know officially people call them GIFs. So I guess I'll say an animated GIF, but I'm used to saying GIF. And I think that was the first time, like they did, nobody had one. So I wanted to learn to make them from, because I wanted that as a saved image so badly and it didn't exist. So I just have this funny image that I can just use for whatever I want now. Garnet just walking away with Steven on her head. But, and then That's it, I'm she, out of here. Yeah. And then later, like you said, she's standing there at the door and she has to like bend down to stick her head out the door because she's tall and she's just like encountering him, answering him, and then pulling her head back in and just watching him safely from the other side of the door while he has a meltdown there. She's just watching and watching. It just kind of goes on long enough that it became funny. (laughs) Very funny to me. Then he, of course, becomes very proud of what he's accomplished, which is a net of nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, wait, I have loads more probing questions to ask. Maybe I could make that into a probing question for you. Oh, go on. That when Ronaldo said that he was maybe going to have a future in intergalactic diplomacy or something, do you think that he or anyone we know at this point, the humans of Beach City, would actually be involved in a future for something like that? And if so, would it be Ronaldo? (laughs) I did once literally dream that Mayor Dewey got chosen as an ambassador to Homeworld. So I guess on some level, I think he's up for that. Dewey, huh? Yeah, maybe his bizarre politicianness could stifle some of their darker tendencies. Right. (laughs) Who who else might be good at it? 
being a diplomat. I think Sadie could be good at it, even though it'd be a huge jump of assignment for her. Mm. I think she has the personality to to deal with that. Maybe that's from however many years of dealing with customers with strange requests, I don't know, or even just surviving day-to-day with Lars. Right. And she does have some encounters with gem stuff that she could lean on. And it doesn't, as a rule, freak her out, even less so than most of the rest of Beach City. Mm -hmm. She's not going to be like, you know, oh my goodness, you have a third hand that is actually a gerbil made of rock or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, she'd probably be like, all right, well, nice to meet you, and then shake that hand. (laughs) Who else might be good at it? Greg's probably Greg's probably got the the knowledge for it, but it's probably too laid back to be any kind of formal person. I think I'd concur with that assessment. He's almost too compatible with both cultures to be a Bible ambassador. Yeah. I don't think Ronaldo would be greater. I <laughs> I'm not convinced Ronaldo should deal with any other people ev- ever, let alone when the fate of two planets or any other territories homeworld might have are on the line. Yeah, he's probably not going to be handed his own planet anytime soon. I mean, I just tried to picture of him dealing with any sort of homeworld gem we've encountered like Jasper, and it doesn't end with Ronaldo not in a body cast. Exactly. We've seen him get body slammed by the Crystal Gems at least twice. It seems of course, once he was in a wrestling costume. <laughs> seems what you do is create a, a make-work position for him and to keep him out of the way. Yeah. He'd, he'd be all right as long as he thought he was doing something. Hmm. Oh, he, he could be like those, yeah, if, if some kind of union between the cultures happened, he could he could be thinking he's doing hard-hitting journalism because he's like like those guys in Transformers, he finds a transmitter somewhere and just decides hmm. he's the news service now. <laughs> That'll keep him safely out of the way of anything actually important. That's what's important about getting him involved in the first place. Huh. But yeah, if they need someone to call on, I think I think Dewey or or Sadie would be the go. Me or Sadie. I could see that. Hmm. I mean I know in Besides, of course, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I know in some ways Stephen kind of fulfills this role, but he's also maybe he grows up further, but he's still pretty Stephenish about a lot of things. Right. And in yeah. fact, I think possibly that he's been brought up to not quite know the difference between earth culture and gem culture might hinder him a bit. Yeah. So you, you need someone who understands, oh, earthlings do this and gems do this, where Stephen's, a lot of that's all bundled up together. Yeah, that is true. He could still mm-hmm. grow into it if he's still indeterminately young, but right now, not so much. Yeah. Yep. Just his nature as a bridge between the two is. Um, I guess predisposes him to that role, but yeah, well, he, he'd have a part to play, but I don't think if you're going to actually appoint an ambassador at this point, that it would be him, right? <laughs> oh. So, what else from this episode can we talk about besides that? I thought it was funny that Petey had a potato calendar outside oh, of the background. That's what that was. It took me a while to work out the potatoes were potatoes because they were yeah <laughs> off in the background, right? He has like a calendar that has you know, the way that some people will have cool landscapes or cool puppies or beautiful women or whatever. He's got potatoes. It's so funny. Well, these days, thanks to the magic of the internet, I'm sure you can get potato calendars somehow. I mean, 
You know, I used to work at a bookstore and we had theme calendars for things that I never, ever would have assumed anyone would want to have 12 months worth on their wall. It's very weird. I did see one once for giant vegetables, but they were like for giant, giant vegetables. Oh, like prize winners? Yeah, like, you know, you sometimes see on the back of the local paper that someone's gone and grown a squash two meters across or something. Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking you were talking about. Yeah. That's legit interesting, but they still had to branch off into different kinds of produce. (laughs) Hmm. Oh, how about some other weird stuff that Ronaldo said when he was having lemonade with Steven and decided that he was, he was going to try to convince them to leave because the the space hand came to get them specifically. He, uh, he spit out a whole bunch of potential reasons why the hand could be after them. And it was like, you were they here to harvest people for a human zoo or defrost the cryogenically frozen pets of the 1% or... There was something else he said, too. I can't remember what they all were. (laughs) All of these weird conspiracies. (laughs) And Stephen being Stephen doesn't really react to any of the other strange stuff, just says what it is. Right. Right. So Stephen's not really dismissing the possibility that one day a giant hand might come from space to defrost cryonically frozen pets. The other one was something about windmills or wind farms or something. I think I was giggling and missed that. Yeah, I don't know. But he thinks that's why gems are coming after them to get their pets or whatever. Oh, he's so weird. So that was funny to me. <laughs> A lot of good one-liners in this. But, you know, they're Ronaldo one-liners, which, you know. <laughs> Any requests? Well, there's no music really to speak of, except that they used some music that sounded kind of like the royalty-free YouTube music that they use when he was doing his intro and stuff. There was this kind of boppy music behind him. I noticed a bit of that. I was, I wasn't surprised, but it must have been tempting to completely go to town on Ronaldo having poor and cheap music choices. <laughs> but I guess that might have just been layering it on a bit too thick. <laughs> yeah, and I think they reused something from, if I'm not mistaken, it was from Secret Team because there's a song called Stephen's Confession. And I think they played it again on this one when there was a confession of sorts. <laughs> so Play with our heads a bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we don't get a song or anything. So mm. what if Ronaldo sang? Oh, <laughs> hmm. he's definitely not someone that I'm waiting to hear sing. One of my friends and I, we have kind of a joke that we need a Jasper song. <laughs> but I had never thought of a Ronaldo song. Jasper strikes me as the sort of person that she'd open her mouth and have this beautiful singing voice and it sounds nothing like her speaking voice. <laughs> well, my friend wrote some lyrics for her, which includes, I believe, opens with the line, I like to kick and punch. I cannot recite Accurate, to be fair. But it's funny that you say that because the lady who does her voice actually has a very pleasant voice. And she, I don't think she does a lot of singing, but I know one of the roles that she did, she did like backup singing vocals for like a musical episode and she did sing and she can sing and she has a very pretty voice so i mean jasper i don't know it'd be like oh this is maybe a little niche and a little old but did you ever watch the space ghost coast to coast stuff i saw bits of it it wasn't very well distributed here there was there was one where the (laughs) zorak the evil locust who had you know a really croaky voice got a, a beautiful man voice for an episode or something and he he was singing and it was kind of like that <laughs> that I envision 
if Jasper hit the They kind of did that on the DuckTales I just watched. Donald Duck got the voice of Don Cheadle for an episode. <laughs> That's funny. I love eating. Feels weird. We do have sort of a food, which is the lemonade. Yep. I just see lemonade and... I guess we got the atmosphere of fries and potatoes, but nothing <laughs> special new about them. Yeah, that was just, I guess, business as usual. And I guess technically there was a reference to Nineveh using a fish, like losing her fish. But I didn't recreate that. I've done a fish and fish stew pizza before. Well, she didn't eat it because it flew away. Yes, that's true. Um, but I did do the lemonade. If you're feeling really dedicated, you could just plunk down a potato, take a photograph of it and go, yeah, there we go. There you go. There you go. I've done the recipe. But lemonade, like a lot of people don't really think about, okay, you just squeeze lemons or something. But as a Floridian, I'm an expert at this. I grew up with fruit trees in my backyard. We had three orange trees, a grapefruit tree and a lemon tree. And so I could make, you know, we had four or five juicers in the house. It's just, you know, Florida life. And lemonade is a little more complicated than most people think. But I think the step that a lot of people don't know that you do is, you you know, you take like, I don't know, what is it, like six to eight lemons and you would juice them, however you juice them in an electric electric one or a manual one. I actually only have a manual one now. But you have to make simple syrup out of it, which includes, you know, boiling. Yeah, I I did make American lemonade once and I remember that bit. Yeah. And there's a crap ton of sugar in it because lemons are and sour. Apps. Yeah. So this, this, is, make, huh? yeah, this is probably where we could interrupt international viewers and say that the lemonade refers to different things by default in America and other places. <laughs> so this in Ivy's story in America, especially when you're home making it in Florida, it's essentially... Juice. Yeah, it's essentially lemon juice you've done some stuff to. Whereas yes. over here in Australia... People are aware of American lemonade, but they probably call it something like American lemonade, whereas the default description of lemonade is clear and fizzy and often not actually all that lemony. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I remember hearing some Australian people in the United States being confused about Bade versus Sprite because our, you know, lemony, clear drink is Sprite. And it's like, this isn't lemonade. This is Sprite. Like, no, that's literally lemonade. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. Yep. S- yeah. Sprite. So I think here, it's something if, like that. here in Australia, if you ask for lemonade at a drink stand or bar or whatever, and someone gave you Sprite, that is pretty standard, pretty part of the course. Ah, yeah. There, I know yeah. there's a place near me that, that does do American lemonade and in fact calls it American lemonade. And Yeah. It's like football versus American football. Yeah, that one's <laughs> even almost more... everybody else calls football. It's, soccer is football, like, but we don't call it football that one's here even more... we have a different one. That one's even more confusing over here because we've got two or three popular other football codes and mostly yeah. called association football soccer, except when the World Cup rolls around and everyone calls it football for a few months until we get kicked out and it comes back to soccer again. <laughs> It's too confusing. But making American lemonade is very simple and it's very tasty. So so I made fresh squeezed lemonade just like Stephen did. I'm not sure if lemons would be native to Beach City. Seems like it might be a little far north for that, but I'm not I'm not an expert on where lemons grow. I just certainly know there are a ton of them here. <laughs> so but yeah, all you need to do is take like couple cups of sugar and a couple cups of water and boil it until the sugar disappears and then mix in your fruit juice. And that's really about it. You don't get that much juice out of a lemon. You have to use a lot of lemons 
to get about one and a half cups and you want to strain them too. If you're fresh squeezing like I did and like Steven did, you want to strain them unless you really like pulp in stuff. Because lemons are very thick with that stuff. So yeah, then you can just put it in, you know, in in a pitcher with ice if you're serving it right then or refrigerate it. But most people even, you know, even here... Most people will just buy a frozen one from Concentrate and mix it with water and Mm -hmm. drink it that way. So, oh, but I skipped an important thing. After you add like one and a half cups of squeezed out lemon juice to the two cups, sugar, two cups, whatever, you start adding more water to it so that it's not like a thick sugar drink. You know, you just thin it out with, and that's really by taste. I added like four more cups of water. I'm getting getting phantom lemon juice taste listening to this. Yeah. Wow. I'm impressed. <laughs> the power of suggestion is so strong. Yeah. But yeah, I really like lemonade. I would drink more of it if like it wasn't a pain in the butt to squeeze them. Mm. So so that's what I did. That's all that really passes for food in this one. Yeah, mm. that, that's about it. Lemonade and potatoes, breakfast of champions. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm learning new things all the time. Well... You may have seen that the storyboarders were Lamar Abrams and Helen Joe. Yep, caught that. But what you don't know is this is Helen Joe's last episode. Oh, bye, Helen. I'm not sure how come she left, but wouldn't it be interesting to be able to say, I just had my last episode and it was that. <laughs> Almost like, <laughs> okay, I quit. I'm making this. <laughs> That's why she left. Is like, no, no, too much. <laughs> or she put in her notice and it's like, just for that, we're going to make you have a Ronaldo episode. <laughs> This is how you're spending the next two weeks. Yeah. And as mentioned, this is episode two of a Stephen Bomb. So I think I said that earlier, though. But that's factoid. Let me look up what the description was. It says, Ronaldo does some investigative reporting on whether Stephen and the Crystal Gems are safe for Beach City. Yeah. Well, let's face it. There's not really much to spoil in this. Yeah. There's not. Even the one thing which is kind of a plot point, which is Ronaldo persuades him to leave, is literally undone two minutes later yeah and it's established pretty early where he's implying with his doom 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 kind of zoom in on their photo at the beginning that he's got something insidious to reveal about them but really i mean the only thing that that really spoils is that this is a ronaldo episode and not a scary episode like Mm. the title makes you think something really big is going to happen and it doesn't give away that the episode basically is his documentary except for the last scene I think maybe, I don't know if it was deliberate misleading or if it was just fan miscommunication or poor listings or something, but like the way that he wrote on his title tag, it said rising tides slash crashing skies. And it was written like that in some episode catalogs and stuff too. So people thought maybe it was a two-parter and it was some kind of big deal. I can Um, see how you'd think that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, those are in Comic Sans because of course they are. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, his sound effects really killed me. The little like noises that the thwap, thwap, thwap. <laughs> I mean, I do some pretty rudimentary video editing on our podcast, so I can sympathize a little, but I don't think I've ever done any attempting to be dramatic stuff that just falls falls flat and becomes comical. So Yeah. Well I think it's his choices as much as his skill because yeah. obviously he could have found things like the East Ender style drums with a zoom in on some free sound effects site somewhere. That's not difficult, sure. but he instead decided to just make the noises with his mouth. Right, right. 
or the little reenactments he had with the fish, like reenactment. (laughs) I'm still kind of mystified as to why he didn't do a better job kind of cutting stuff that was embarrassing to him, like him slipping on the floor or spinning too far in his chair in the beginning and stuff. So you'd think he would just like redo that part. Maybe maybe he's one of those no retakes people. Could be, could be. In fact, a, yeah, that would a, explain it. That would explain a lot actually if he decided everything in this had to be done only the once. Mm-hmm. He probably insisted it's real and raw. Yeah, he did imply that, saying like it's shot camera verite. <laughs> Come on, Ronaldo. I don't know if you know the meaning of words that you're using. So, but what I wrote down here in my notes here because I knew I wouldn't be able to recite it word for word was all the stuff he put on his blog before this one went out. And as I've mentioned before, a lot of times the Ronaldo episodes or any observations the character was supposed to have had would coincide with like the airing of the episode. So it seemed like he was really out there blogging about this while it was going on. So, but for this one, there were a few posts leading up to the airing of this episode as if Ronaldo was staying up all night working on this documentary. He was trying really hard to get it up before the next day. So the first post, it said it had a lot of typos. So just imagine typos in here. But it says, so tired. Don't know if I can finish personal opus by tomorrow. But I told the internet I would. I won't let the internet down. Must summon the strength. Keep Beach City awake. The previous one, he had said he needed a lot of soda. So he had warned us this was coming. And these were posted the day before, I think, or in the middle of the night late. And then he followed up with another one, I think the same day, that says... I've been up for 36 hours straight, but it's finally finished. My investigative documentary, Investigating the Truth About the Enemies and Heroes of Beach City, is online. It's called Rising Tides, Crashing Skies, Danger on the Boardwalk, The Truth About the Most Dangerous Boardwalk, a a KBCW investigative documentary, and the truth will shock you. Click the link above to watch the entire thing on TubeTube and rate, like, and subscribe, please. And the poor editing of viewers awake for 36 hours. And there was a very realistic looking picture where it looked like you could click play and stuff, but it just went to an image. So somebody reblogged it and wrote, you forgot the link. <laughs> and and the whoever's running it, making these posts, responded to that and said, oh no, I posted it as a photo and not a video. Hold on, I'm going to fix this. And then the last one, it says, TubeTube took my video down because of copyright violations. What? This was mostly original material. I used that background music for informational purposes. It's fair use. Fair use. (laughs) Clearly, someone doesn't want the truth about Beach City to be known. (laughs) Perhaps someone with an invested interest in the reputation of our seaside community. Someone who would lose a lot of money if tourists were afraid to come here and buy French fries. Someone like my dad. This puzzle just got hurt. So he thinks his dad recorded him. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) It's pretty adorable. Mm. Mm. It definitely sounds like it was posted by someone who had not slept. Yes. That poor guy, he worked so hard on this and then it got removed from TubeTube. But at least he got one like, <laughs> right? Yeah, they're probably the one set of people who managed to watch it before TubeTube took it down. Yeah. So Stephen's one like would be his reward. Go check out our merch table. I'm ready to show you my merch if you're ready to see said merch. I'm ready to see the merch. So I decided on this one as today's featured merchandise because Ronaldo was trying to expose slash explain the crystal gems. So I'm showing you a book called Guide to the Crystal Gems. Believe it or not, this book is not spoilery for you. It was one of the first 
early releases and there's nothing in it that hasn't been, I think it was actually released around the time this episode was. And there's some stuff that looks like an omission only a few episodes later. So it seems like this was designed to be released like right now. I think I saw that in a shop before I knew what it was. Like, I think that might've been one of my few pre not so giant women, Steven universe memories of seeing that go, Oh, that's that cartoon. Everyone keeps telling me to watch. Yeah. If you notice, Amethyst is in her pretty new outfit there. So this kind is of a like a you know, small window for it to be relevant in from what you're saying. Right. She reformed in episode 57 and we just watched 59. Mm. You know, and so what you're saying, was, some of the stuff would have needed update in just a few episodes from now. Yeah. I wouldn't say necessarily outfit wise, but because mm. I, well, I can't confirm or deny whether anybody dies in any episodes. So I shouldn't do that. But it's really cute. It's got like, it's mostly written from Steven's point of view, but there's some really, there's some cool stuff in it that they never talk about in the show. They don't ever explicitly talk about. So, but he starts kind of just explaining to you what each crystal gem is like. And it's kind of, it's kind of got an interesting look at Rose Quartz because he doesn't know very much about his mom. And so he kind of thinks about her and writes what he thinks about her. And it's neat. He has a little section for each of his gem friends, what they're good at, what they're like. It's a whole thing here about about Garnet and how she's a fusion and he just found that out. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cute. I like that bottom half picture of her just yeah. proclaiming herself. Love is the answer. She's such a sweetie. Yeah. And the pearl ones are before and after poofing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good picture of pearl too, of the flag. I've always liked the pearl to flag imagery. Yeah. It's really nice. And the amethyst one is, let's see, does she have? Yeah. Amethyst one is them on the road and her reacting to him, complimenting her. Mm-hmm. Very cute. But those are her old outfit. A lot of them are her old outfit. Well, that's fair. So, she would have spent most of their time in her old outfits, even if she had just changed. Yeah. So they include what is called Rose Quartz's Manifesto, which is not in the show, but it's in some of these supplemental materials which her manifesto is fight for life on the planet earth defend all human beings even the ones that you don't understand believe in love that is out of anyone's control and then risk everything for it it's pretty cool yeah there's a lot of stuff in here so he has a little fact sheet about himself it's very cute everybody has a fun quote his favorite quote is books and his fun fact is steven wasn't made like the other gems he's the first and only gem to ever be born Neat. Um, And there is a section in this book that I like to quote for people who want to know, like, how the hell was Stephen born? And it's like all this verbiage about how they think, how is it possible that he was born? Well, they got their own fonts they talk in too. Yes. It's so cute. They each have a different font and color. Yeah. I I can't see pearls just because of the camera, but yeah. Yeah. Like a garnet is neat and rounded and Amethyst is kind of like she's just sketching it down. Yeah, more of a sketch font. And Pearls is very thin, which is probably why you can't see it. It's almost disappearing into the background. But, and it's funny that Garnet is saying that Stephen, like not unlike a fusion, it says Rose disappeared to create an entirely new being with all of herself integrated into half of his self. Stephen is in essence a fusion of love like me. And Amethyst says, and an earthling like me. And Pearl says, and one of a kind, like Rose Quartz. Everything's about Rose Quartz. It's so funny. But I thought that was really interesting that she specifies, Pearl specifies, she says, Rose Quartz was determined to bridge the gap between gems and humanity. We are not humans. 
but we can create an amazingly accurate simulation of the human body via shape-shifting. This can allow us to experiment with human experience, and we can make lungs and experience breathing or a stomach and experience eating. Rose Quartz wanted to experience birth. Very interesting. And Um, because it's a kid's book, it doesn't start that sentence the same way as all the others. That's right. And it's not Amethyst saying, when a mommy gem and a daddy gem love each other very much, psych. <laughs> so she kind of explains how that how that works. But and Amethyst doesn't go. And then she and then she made herself a don't give us an explicit tag, Amethyst. <laughs> just amethysts would be just a giant like sensor bar. Yeah. And then Greg did this. <laughs> I seen the video. So more clearly, it, it does provoke the interesting idea of the notion of Stephen as kind of a fusion in that way yeah so in some yeah. ways gems might see human reproduction as it's like they fuse but don't go away right yeah even though rose did but in general humans don't they're still around yeah and in fact great um, the human did not go away right much as well sometimes further, we see might have pearl's further explanation on here is one of the ones that i quote the most to try to explain kind of because this was written by rebecca sugar so it's mm. canonish but she says, Pearl says, a gem is their gem. Our physical forms generate from our gems. All the information that makes us who we are is sourced in the gem itself. To give that information to a human child, Rose Quartz was able to integrate her information with the DNA of Greg Universe by dissipating her physical form to allow all of her gems information to become half of Stephen's self. So all of Rose became half of Stephen. That's really like, it's never been said that way before. Mm. It's not a spoiler, but it's just never yeah. been said yeah i mean it's what we kind of knew but didn't actually know you see what i mean yeah yeah steven talks about the first time that he fused and said you kind of disappear but somehow you're still there and when you both know what to do and what you want and support each other you get so much stronger than just one person on their own that's nice yeah i think one of the cleverer things they did was even though no one turned around explicitly said it was made it clear that fusion doesn't work the same way for everyone every time right because that gives them a lot of room for storytelling and a lot of room for telling different experiences and a lot of metafixing, a lot of able to go, able to not have to go, oh, we've got to do this in this episode because we did this 16 episodes ago. Right. Like the the guy who wrote The Walking Dead said he didn't sit down and write out the zombie rules because he knew he'd just break them the next day. (laughs) Yeah. And I think since this is written in character, you know, you don't know for sure how much the gems are just kind of Pearl, especially she's just going to tell you, well, this is how it works. And you don't know if she's right. Mm. So Steve, we can only report from fusing as Stephen at this point. Yeah. He's only fused with Connie. So yeah. yeah. So I just had a mind want to go, did he end up fusing with anyone else? It's like, no, that's just a long conversation we had, but didn't actually happen on the TV. Right. I think one of my probing questions for you was if it turns out he can fuse with gems, who did you think he would do that with? Yeah. And I think he concluded it was Amethyst because they seemed to be the most in sync and the most on the same level. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Occasionally we get so, so deep in our conversations. I have to prize apart yeah. what we actually saw. <laughs> Right. Especially if you're having like Steven Universe dreams. (laughs) It's really interesting because there's stuff in this book that they had not talked about in the show, like a fair amount of it actually. And they released it and didn't call it a spoiler or anything. So when I read this, I actually learned stuff. Yeah, Um, I guess. Is it considered canon? Yeah. I mean, it's written by Rebecca, so not many of them are. There's the Garnet page Mm -hmm. and Shirk Ruby and Sapphire, which those pictures are really cute of them. 
And her fun fact says when Ruby and Sapphire first formed Garnet, it was very unusual for two different types of gems to form a fusion, which to me sounds like that's completely new information. And her quote is, I am made of love and it's stronger than you. So the Amethyst quote is really neat too. I forget if it's Pearl next or Amethyst, but he explains, even though Garnet may not get my jokes, sometimes she's really funny too. And he cites the we kept Amethyst joke. (laughs) And then there's the Amethyst one. Okay, so Amethyst's fun fact is that Amethyst has experimented with male forms, including wrestling alter ego, the purple puma. So she's kind of the closest thing we have to a gender fluid gem. (laughs) Favorite quote, who needs to go see movies when you got magic? That's fun. Mm -hmm. I suppose a gem could, if they were so inclined, gender reassign themselves when they were pissed. Sure. If Rose can make baby making parts, so to speak, make a baby, then any of them can do it for, let's say, other stuff. Mm. (laughs) And then the Pearl one, it's very nice little ballet pose she does. Pearl is, fun fact, Pearl is able to project holographic images from her gem, which we knew that. And favorite quote, humans find such fascinating ways to waste their time. Yeah, <laughs> I feel seen. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm surprised that actually a- knowing how Rebecca's sense of humor sometimes gets, I'm surprised it can go on to say, <laughs> like writing books about cartoons. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in here on all three of them. Stephen is kind of explaining to people who might be reading the book, like, now, Garnet, she is very literal. So if she doesn't understand what's going on, it's just because she's probably distracted and very literal. And then with Amethyst, he's like, she's probably just kidding when she makes fun of you and is really mean. She's just kidding. And then Pearl, it's like very similar. She just doesn't understand humans very well. And she probably likes you a lot, even if it seems like she doesn't. And it's like, Stephen, you're really analyzing a lot here, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> So, but he tries to have a fact sheet for Rose as well. He doesn't know much about her. So his fun fact is she has a laugh and then he quotes from her videotape. So then he has homeworld gems. So Lapis gets a fact sheet and so does Peridot and Jasper. I was going to wonder if they'd officially been called homeworld gems before, but I guess it's not really so much as an official title as exactly how you describe them. Yeah. I later took this book and used like sticky notes to edit it to catch it up. And people thought that I had scratched things out and like defaced the book. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I didn't do that. And they're like, we ruined the book. Oh, there's a whole section on fusions too. Oh, cool. He let, he let Garnet say it. So all the text is read. He let Garnet explain things. Very nice. Her fun fact, Opal's is, uh, Opal is very forgetful because we saw her forget the heaven beetle. So that's fun. Golite's fun fact is Sugalite is a bit of a show-off. I think we knew that. And uh, Alexandrite, I like this one. Her fun fact is Alex- Alexandrite has two functioning mouths. Her weapon is all of them. And uh, the description of her, since she just went to the dinner party, it says, Alexandrite is an incredible force on the battlefield. When Pearl and Amethyst and I fuse together with a singular goal, we are unstoppable. But... When the singular goal is a dinner party with a human family, we are very confused and we are very confusing and we are very sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. There's one on Malachite. Malachite is so unstable that she does not have a single voice. And I think they have one on Stevani last. Yeah, it's adorable. (laughs) You do love Stevani. Yeah. Their favorite quote is pretty cool, right? (laughs) I guess if they had a mineral name, it'd be like carbon. 
And Garnet's commentary on Stevani is to say, perfect. Oh. <laughs> a spontaneous fusion of love as impossible as it was inevitable. Even I could never have guessed it. Stephen is capable of fusing with human beings. I could not be prouder of Stephen and Connie. <laughs> That's adorable. It's so sweet. Yeah, I do love how much Garnet loves Stevani. Me too. Was a little unexpected, but looking back at nothing, nothing else would have been more appropriate, you know. So, yeah, that's the end. And then believe in Stephen. <laughs> so this is a really cool book. I thought it was. I mean, from the look of it, looks very children's booky, but it's got some good content. And it's like sixty something pages long, or no, eighty nine pages long. It's not bad. Wow. So I was definitely impressed. They only had. I think they had a couple little activity books that were more just like, oh, this is definitely for kids. But this had a lot of text, so it was it was illuminating for me, especially on the process as as explained by the Crystal Gems through Rebecca Sugar's choices for them as to how Stephen is possible. So that was cool. Yay. And it was only $9.99 in the United States or in Canada. Probably means once once importing and translation is said, well, sorry, currency conversion is said and probably about 20 bucks here. Uh, yeah. Well, nowadays, I think it's out of print. And I looked on Amazon recently to see how much it was. And it was like, you can get a used one for over $100. So Ooh, I think right, it's hard yeah. to find now. This was published in 2015. So, so of course, I pre-ordered it. And yeah, it's very sparkly on the front, too. It's got, I don't know if you can see on there, but it's got this sort of almost pixelated. Ah, yeah, I can just see that in the top logo. Yeah, hard, hard to see on the webcam. But it's really cool. They do a good job with the, you know production of these things. So um, I figured I could spotlight that one on a on an episode like this that didn't have a whole lot of deep content in its source material. So And it <laughs> so was Renato trying to tell us about the crystal gems. Yeah. So he could have used this book. <laughs> he might have thought it was he propaganda. Yeah. But a while back I showed in the Keep Beach City Weird episode, I showed his book, his Keep Beach City Weird book, but that has a lot of stuff that's still spoilery for you because it came out way later. So, but that is all I have to say about that. Any other thoughts that you have on this episode? I think I think we've co- we've covered. What is lot to say in some ways? Of course, it's not very deep. It's not we're not going to crack open someone's soul in this one as we have previously. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's a, ha- a handy episode that less so now that everyone everything's on DVD and streaming and what have you, but. If you did have a friend who just wanted to sort of join you part way on Steven Universe and was sort of acknowledging that they weren't coming in new, this could be useful to show them just as sort of rough guide to the things that go on. Oh, wow. Mm. Starting with a Ronaldo episode, that would be bold. Yeah, well, for the very particular audience who, like I said, less of a thing now that you can get the first season pretty easily. But if, if you were being joined halfway through by someone who who knew there was stuff before and there would be stuff later, but this at least would give them the Beach City 101. Yeah, you kind of get to see all the incidental characters and the main four. Yeah, in some ways it would almost have made a good extra on like a season two DVD package to mm-hmm. like they often do on other series where there's a feature which is in case you missed the previous seasons of this show. Right. Sometimes they're done and they in character. Really, they don't really have like a clip show thing going on as such. So, yeah. so for once, or not for once, but this is one of those times where the short format would work for it in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But this is definitely one of my favorite Ronaldo heavy episodes. So I just think it's funny because we've all seen poorly made videos like this where people are trying to make their point. But the value that we all take away is, wow, this person is bad at video editing. <laughs> and it's humorous. So well, this time we know Ronaldo. So we know there's lots of things he's bad at. Yeah. You know, though, I would have changed my opinion about him in a heartbeat if he had been able to get some hard-hitting truth from Onion. <laughs> what I could have done is to have this, like the one occasion where Onion says like one single coherent word in English mm -hmm. that doesn't even relate, but it would give fans something to mull over for forever. That, you know, what, why did Onion say Ottoman in that episode? Oh, my God. Yeah, it would possibly become either the central aspect of the next wave of Ronaldo theories, or it would become the competing theory to Snapple. <laughs> mm. But Onion is basically a cryptid himself, so. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we mm, learn more about Onion, onion it. it just opens up more questions, so that's fine. Oh, are you hoping for, a, for another, another Onion episode soon? <laughs> yeah, or at least a chunky Onion appearance to see him do something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, next time that we have Lamar, who seems to be the onion person, then, you know, since he doesn't have Helen for a partner anymore, we'll have to see what he can do with the next arrangement that they get for him. That means no one to rein him in. Yeah. <laughs> you may be right. So, but I cannot meaningfully weigh in on this since I know what the next thing he does is. So, but it's not the next episode. So, our next episode's title is keeping it together so i guess we'll we'll see people for that yeah that, that could mean any number of things can't even think of a overly literal one to joke about because it's so cool. <laughs> yeah all right we'll see what we come up with when we next gather for this until next time not so giant listeners thanks for listening You've been listening to Ivy and Daria on Not So Giant Women. You can find episodes of the show in video form by looking up Not So Giant Women on YouTube or in audio form at anchor.fm slash not so giant women or your podcatcher of choice. You can also find us on Facebook. Audio production by Daria. Video production and music by Ivy. Daria can also be heard on Postploitation, the Ausploitation podcast. And Ivy at her Steven Universe fan blog at love-takes-work.tumblr.com. Steven Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and remains property of Cartoon Network. No infringement is intended.